0: Maybe six or seven years old. This was the mid-90s, just so you know. We took a family trip to a beach in Florida. We were staying in a beach house that was a short walking distance from the water itself. We went to the beach, and I was supposed to stay in the sight of my mom. But I wandered way down, and before I knew it, I was lost. A lot of the houses looked the same, and I wasn't sure which one was ours. Plus, I had lost sight of my mom long ago. It began to rain, just my luck. I came to a path that I was pretty sure led back to our house, only it didn't lead to a house at all, but a parking lot instead. Inside the parking lot, there was a big, dirty van parked there. It was the only vehicle around. I was about to turn back when I noticed an overweight woman with brown hair and a hot pink tank top and those big, clunky, thick glasses that were popular in the 80s waving and smiling at me from the passenger seat of the van. She said something like, Oh my, it's raining. Where's your mommy at? Let us take you to her. It's dangerous to be out here by yourself. You could get struck by lightning. She was very friendly, almost overly so. In the driver's seat was a very overweight man, shirtless, hairy grey chest, and some clunky-looking gold chain. He was wearing yellow-tinted Elvis shades and staring directly at me. He was also smoking a cigarette, which, as a child, I equated with being bad. The woman stepped out of the van and knelt down to me. She asked how old I was. When I told her, she gleefully remarked, We have two boys your age at our house. You should come over and spend the night. We've got movies, Nintendo, and in the morning, We've got all types of cereal." I'd been taught all about stranger danger, but at this point in my life, no adult had ever given me any reason not to trust them. The lady continued talking about stuff like how the boys had go-karts and how they liked to drink chocolate milk. She made it seem very enticing for a 7 year old kid, and at this point, I all but trusted her. I mostly liked the idea of getting to play with some kids my age. But then I remembered that I needed to ask my mom first, and I told her this. She said that that was no problem, and that they lived just up the road, so my mom shouldn't mind one bit. It began raining even harder, and that's when she opened the sliding door of the van, saying something like, Now let's get you out of this rain and go find your mommy. I knew logically that I shouldn't do this, but the lady seemed really nice, and I was desperately wanting to get out of that rain. As I began stepping towards that open door of the van, I noticed an awful stench that almost made me gag. That's what set off alarm bells in my head that something wasn't right. There were cigarette butts all over the floor. I looked up at that fat man in the driver's seat, and not only was he staring at me with this menacing glare, but he had this real creepy, toothy smile, and all of his teeth were stained a dark yellow. I could pick up on this very up vibe coming from him. I knew that I should run, but the woman was ushering me to hurry up and get in. Her demeanor had changed, no longer friendly and inviting, but demanding and literally trying to push me into the van. She sounded angry when she said, get in already, in a tone that was the complete opposite of how she had sounded just moments before. I jumped to the side and started running as fast as I could. The woman managed to grab onto my arm or wrist, but somehow I was able to break free and run back towards the beach. I think she tried to chase me, but like I said at the beginning, she was incredibly overweight. I made it back to my mom on the beach, who by that point was freaking out when she had lost sight of me. I tried explaining what had happened, but I don't think that at 7 years old, I was able to convey the gravity of what had happened. And I don't think that I truly understood it myself. All that said, I was ecstatic to be back in the possession of my mom, back in safety, and I could tell that she was relieved that I found her as well. No longer in the mood for waves or sand, we began the trudge back towards the house that we had rented. We reached the wood slatted pathway that separated the beach from the residential street that our rental sat upon with no problem. I felt this sense of relief sweep over me as we got closer and closer to the house itself. But that feeling whooshed away in an instant when just before we were set to cross the street, that same white van comes ambling down towards us. That same heavy couple in the front seats, staring practically through me as they slowly went past. It felt like their eyes were shooting four petrifying beams right at me. I wanted to scream, I wanted to tell, but I was unable to form any words or sounds at all. I was simply frozen until they drove beyond us and became smaller and smaller as they inched down the road. That lady put on a horrifyingly good act to try and lure me into that van that day. I know I got away from something terrible, although it still shakes me to this day to know that it took a horrid smell and the sight of all those cigarette butts to know that I shouldn't have been anywhere near those people. I hope that no other child fell for their promises, although part of me certainly has its doubts. My name is Mark, and I currently live in Portland, Oregon. While I'm not originally from the Pacific Northwest, promise of a good job and closeness to the great outdoors brought me up here about six years ago. I'd say I'm a pretty low-key guy. I work my 9 to 5, enjoy a brew every now and then, and for the most part, kind of keep to myself. One Friday a few months back, I'm running late to get to work, ever since being asked to go back to the office post-pandemic. I battle with AM traffic, and time crunches fairly regularly. Nothing new there. I make my way to the highway exit, turn off onto surface streets, and I'm about half a mile from turning into the parking garage that's nearest to my office. Still racing the clock, I push through a yellow light, and I'm about to wing it into the garage when I have to hit my brakes. There's a bicyclist that's about to cross in front of the entrance of the garage, and while I see him in plenty of time, Got your happy price, price line. Plenty of room to spare. This guy is none too pleased. He takes this opportunity to hop off his bike and launch into a full-on tirade at me. Four-letter words are flowing. His hands are above his head. He's now the color of a beat in the face. All the while, I'm still just trying to go and punch the clock. When he stops, his screams long enough to take a breath. I roll my window down a few inches and say... I'm sorry, man. I hope you're good. Anyway you can keep it moving?" I wasn't trying to be flippant or dismissive, but I also wasn't really anywhere near hitting this guy on his bike. Seems like he may have just been looking for someone to scream at that morning, and I was the unlucky one. After my single sentence interjection, a look of simple disbelief spreads across this guy's face. He didn't budge. He stared me down as I maneuvered around him and into the garage, but that was the end of it. I made it into the office, just in time to avoid being seen by my manager, and the day went on as normal. Clock out when the day was done, head home for the weekend that I'm looking forward to. No real plans, just not working for a few days. I make it home and whip up a dinner, probably call it a night around 11pm. I wake up the next morning excited about the weekend, pondering maybe hitting a new brewery, or even calling a few friends to catch a trailblazers game. But that feeling drained from me pretty much the moment I stepped outside. I don't have much of a driveway. It's probably no longer than 12 feet from the street to my front door. So when I step off my porch, it's evident that something is wrong. My car is much lower to the ground than I can reason why at first. But then it sets in. My tires are flat. All four of them. That's what I think until I can investigate a little bit further, and I see that they aren't flat. They've been slashed. As I'm walking around the car, I happen to notice an index card tucked neatly under my driver's side windshield wiper. I unfold the card, and I read the words. You weren't very difficult to find, Mark. Be safe. At this point, all ideas of a fun weekend had evacuated from my mind almost the way my stomach wanted to evacuate into my pants. I rushed back in the house, closed the door, and locked back up, as I sat down to collect my thoughts on what had just happened. The best reasoning and rationale that I could come up with involved the bicyclist from the day before. I don't have any enemies, no messy exes, nothing like that. I'm not typically a person that seeks conflict, so all that I could figure was that my perceived snide remark didn't sit well with old biker boy, and he had somehow figured out my name, and where I lived to exact a little revenge for either cutting him off with my car, or verbally shortly thereafter. Not sure how he learned who I was, or where I called home, but it definitely had me looking over my shoulder for a few weeks after. I guess the silver lining to this whole thing, I'm more aware than ever of bicyclists and pedestrians in my travels, and I try to be early to everything from now on. Part of me wants to thank Bike Guy for the lesson, but another larger part of me never wants to run into that guy again. I'll be the first to admit that this story isn't terrifying by most means, but I definitely got a great deal of catharsis from telling it. I'd like to start by saying that I'm not a believer, not in God, nor in any other superior power. I've never been religious or spiritual in my life, probably not trending that direction either. Because even if God were to exist, I don't think that I would care too much. Because after having multiple surgeries, literally from the day I was born, it's obvious that I wasn't his favorite. I'm a guy, I'm 27, and I've had multiple heart surgeries throughout my life. Started off as a heart murmur with an open heart valve repair when I was born. Went on to have an aortic valve replacement surgery when I was around 16. A stent placement in the coronary artery near my heart at age 23. I'm finally in the clear now, and don't have any showing problems, at least for the near future. Surgeries had all gone great, until the third one that is. The stent placement didn't go as planned, and the balloon inflated early. Stopping my heart almost immediately, since the coronary artery had been cut off. I was actually clinically dead for three minutes. In those three minutes, it felt like an eternity. And I felt as peaceful as ever. Like, when you come back from a hard day at work, with nothing to do for the rest of the day, and you know that you have the day off tomorrow. I remember loving that feeling, but not seeing anything. Not black not white, no lights, just nothing. Like a transparent background that goes on and on and on. Just as I was getting used to the feeling of, quote, laziness, I heard the voice of my grandpa, who had passed away in 2018. He said, You shouldn't get used to it. You're not staying long. Immediately after that, I woke up in the hospital bed with my mom right next to me, calling for the doctor to come over. Once he arrived at my bedside, I got to see the visibly shocked look upon his face, and after taking a moment to compose himself, he explained the situation to me, and how I was dead, and they were just about to cover me with a bedsheet, when a pulse popped up out of nowhere. But I wasn't surprised at all, it was like I already knew what had happened. I never had the guts to tell anyone this, since I thought they would just call me crazy. And frankly, I would call me crazy too if I heard this from their point of view. Four years have passed since then, and I'm still wondering every day on how this happened. Was it an actual miracle? Was I hallucinating from the anesthesia? Or am I indeed just crazy? I think it's a natural thought to wonder what happens when things end. Maybe it's different for everybody. Some see lights, some see dark, some are flooded with memories of their life, and some, perhaps like me, just see a transparent void. Although it was a calm and tranquil representation to me, I'm not racing to feel that again. In fact, I hope it's many decades before I feel that again, and it's still very surreal to me to know that even for just a moment or two, I was not on the same plane of existence as those of you that are listening to my story today.